Hey, welcome everybody. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. We want to take a moment and just remember the life and legacy of the great Ravi Zacharias, who has uh, passed away, went on to be with the Lord this week, uh, battled cancer. Uh, and while we're going to miss him greatly, he was a, one of the, if not the greatest Christian apologetics uh, ever to walk the face of this planet and uh, ever to bless the kingdom of God. Uh, while we are sad, we also celebrate knowing he has reached his final destination. And uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, according to the word of God. And uh, so we just honor the life of Ravi Zacharias. So, hey, I am excited because Governor Abbott, the governor of the great state of Texas, came out full of the anointing this week. He said, he said, as of May 31st, woo, we get to have some sports here in Texas without the fans, but we're going to have some sports. Man, that means, now I know people are excited because maybe a little baseball coming up, maybe the basketball season will end. That means for me, I'm excited because that means that very possibly training camp for football, pro football is going to start in July. And Come fall, we're going to have hopefully have us some football. How about them Cowboys? Man, he was anointed when he talked about it, too. He said, even though there's not going to be any fans, even though the crowd won't cheer, the ball's still going to get thrown. The ball's still going to get hit. The ball's still going to get dunked. The ball is going to get slammed. Can I get a witness in the house? Hallelujah. Now, maybe you didn't hear him say it like that, but I sure heard him say it like that in my world. Man, I was excited. So I can't wait. I'm already in my jersey and everything else. We're going to have some sports. But what I'm even more excited about is next Sunday, May 31st, we finally get to have church together. I get to preach to live faces and not this camera. I get to see you with your big smiles. I get to see you, some of y'all, with your big frowns. It doesn't matter. I love y'all, and I want to see you, and I want to be able to share the Word of God with you. May 31st, next Friday, meet us on the south side of Viridian at Overlook Park, right off of Viridian Park Lane. It's going to be a great time. We're excited. We are excited. I'm telling you, God's going to show up. God's going to show up. We're going to show up, and we're going to receive everything that He has planned for us. So, be there. Now, if you're if you're watching and, and you're saying, I don't feel comfortable yet, I'm not ready to come out, that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to be there. Uh, we'll still record the audio. We'll still get the podcast uh, loaded up that week like we always traditionally did prior to going into this whole COVID season. Uh, or or maybe you're, you're watching, you're saying, hey, uh, can do, do I need to wear a mask? Well, that's going to be up to you. We are going to practice social distancing as has been announced, but uh, uh, just come on out and receive what God has for you. I'm excited. I'm excited. We'll love on each other from a distance, but uh, 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 hey, it's better than nothing. I'm ready to see you guys. So, hey, let's get into the word of God. The Lord told me several weeks back, I mentioned it last week. He said, David, I want to take gathering from a group of people that believe in me and turn them into a group of people who believe me. There's a big difference in believing in God and believing God. It's called walking by faith. 
being full of faith in the word of God. If God said it, and if God speaks it to you, or if you put it in his word, then he means it. Because God's not going to lie to you. The Bible says God's not a man lest he should lie. He doesn't respect any, any person above anyone else. He loves us. We all belong to him. So he will, he will, he will go out of his way to keep his word in your life. So we're going to get into that today. So today, that's what we're talking about from believing in to believing God. That's a powerful place to be. And it sets you free. It presents a lot of truth to you. John chapter, John chapter eight says that if you will abide in my word, if you'll stay in my word, you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth is going to set you free. Man, I want to live free to be everything he has called me to be, be everything he has designed me to be. And, and in order to have that freedom, I need to have truth. But in order to have truth in my life, I got to believe truth. I got to believe the word of God. So we're going to get back to the basics today and talk about faith. It's faith. That's really the key. The key is faith. Now, back in 1961, in July of 1961, the great coach Vince Lombardi met with the 38 players that were all part of the Green Bay Packers. Just a few months prior in the previous season, they had lost uh, the championship game, the NFL championship game. There was no Super Bowl back then, but it was the NFL championship game, and they had lost to the Philadelphia Dirty Birds, right? The Philadelphia Eagles. Man, wearing this cowboy jersey, it it just cringes for me to even have to say that name. But the Packers had lost to the Eagles, and Vince Lombardi realized that they had gotten away from the fundamentals. They had gotten away from some of the simple things that you're supposed to take care of, and it had cost them the game. So when he opened training camp that next year, he picked up a football standing in front of 38 professional football players that had been playing since the time they were probably children. And he held it up and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And he started from there. Matter of fact, every season after that, that's how training camp, the beginning of the football season would start for Vince Lombardi. He would stand in front of his team and say, this is a football. Well, what was he doing? He wasn't trying to insult their intelligence. He was bringing them back to the foundations of what they're supposed to do, the fundamentals of their game. Sometimes with the word of God, you got to come back to the fundamentals and remind yourself of what this is all about and how you're to walk with the Lord. For some of you today, I'll just be watering the seed that someone planted for you years ago. For others of you today, this is fresh seed that's going to plant into the to the ground of the soil of your heart. So I just pray that you're all receptive to it today. We're going to read today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Uh, reading this from the New King James, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. That's what it's all about. Are you going to live by faith? Are you going to live a faith-led life? Are you going to walk believing what you see with your own physical eyes? God's asking you to trust him. Sometimes, sometimes trusting him means ignoring what you see in front of you, ignoring what your circumstance dictate to you and staying with the word of God. And it is all about faith. 
In order to understand what that is, let's take a look at what faith is. Bear with me. We're going to get into some good stuff, right? But you remember, this is a football church. This is faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, in the traditional text would say, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible to just expand that a little bit. Now faith is the assurance, which means the confirmation, the title deed. Ooh, something that you own. Faith is the assurance of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So what does that mean? You know, I remember this, this is a real simple example of faith. When I was a kid, my mom, Joyce Butler, who I miss dearly, but man, that woman could cook. Man, that woman could cook. And she would, sometimes before church on Sunday morning, she would put a pot roast in the, in the crock pot and load it up with vegetables and all the seasoning and all that stuff. And man, I knew when I got home, I was going to eat good. And so I would sit there during church and while the pastor was preaching. I wouldn't even hear what he was saying because all I was doing, I was seeing that pot roast. I could see it. I could smell it. I could taste it. I could feel the texture of it in my mouth. And man, my mouth would start watering. My stomach would start growling. What was happening? Well, what was happening was this. What was happening was I was starting to see some things that weren't in front of me. But I could see it, I could feel it, I could taste it, I could smell it, I could sense it. And my body, my reality, started reacting to it. My stomach started growling, my mouth started watering, I started getting impatient, I started getting hungry. What was happening? I was seeing the unseen. In other words, I had faith and hope, that, that, that hope of being able to go home and eat, some good cooking, that hope, that whatever that is, that energy, that vibe, that spirit, that's the substance of faith. And then the evidence of things not seen. Oh, I could see it. It wasn't in front of me, but I could see it. That's faith in your life. Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you have received and you shall receive it. In other words, when you pray for something, take the time to see it, to feel it to embrace it, to smell it, to taste it, to experience it, all in here. It comes from here, it moves up here. Why? What are you doing? You are seeing the unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You'll start seeing your physical world manifest what you start seeing in your spirit, man. That is faith. That's what we live by. You live by, sometimes you may not have a shred of evidence for what you need to believe. You may be trying to stand on the word of God and the word of God is contrary to the circumstances that you are witnessing with your physical eyes. That's where you need to go within yourself into that secret place with the Lord and say, all right, Lord, I'm not seeing it with my physical eye, but I'm going to see it in my spirit and I'm going to hope for it when all hope is gone. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, 
But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. You've got to have faith just to please God, right? For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. So you can't even please God without faith. And you, God can't even start dealing with you until you actually believe with, believe in him, right? So, so in order to have a relationship and experience the fullness of God, you, you got to start with at least believing that there is a God, right? So that's, that's simple 101 right there. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. So it was by grace that you were saved through your faith, through that fact that you don't see it, but you can see it. You don't physically feel it, but you can still feel it. It's not around you, but you can sense it. That element, that faith is part of your salvation. It says, and this salvation or this faith is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is a gift from God. So think about it, your very relationship with Christ and the fact that you are forgiven, that you are blood-bought, that you are a new creature, that your past sins are just totally vanished. How do you have proof? You look the same way you did the day before you gave your heart to the Lord, maybe. How do you have proof? It's by faith. You just believe it. You just trust him. Trust is part of faith. I know I'm saved because his word says I'm saved. If I believe it in my heart and if I confess it with my mouth, woo, we'll get into that a few weeks down the road. But sometimes you've got to confess or speak out your faith. It says, if I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that he rose again, that I'll be saved. Faith. So your very connectivity and oneness with God all deals with faith. That means that you can't buy your salvation. You can't earn it. You can't live good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't read enough scriptures. You can't pray enough hours. None of that will make you any more saved. All you have to do is have faith in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Faith. And that's the core of what we as believers, we all call ourselves believers. Well, I believe in God. Well, no, don't just believe in God. Believe God, right? Now, Abraham, Abraham teaches us Abraham teaches us how what it means to walk in faith. So I, how do you walk in faith? Abraham showed us the starting point. And matter of fact, he is called the father of our faith. That's weird. How could he be called the father of our faith? I thought he was Jewish. No, he wasn't even Jewish. He predated the law of Moses. Abraham was actually originally started out as a pagan. He was from... Uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, if you go back and research, man, that whole territory was some pagan territory, a lot of demonic worship. And he has this encounter with God. Well, which God? They, they worshiped a ton of gods. All of a sudden, the God, the living God, called him out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, started him, said, if you'll start walking, I will give you the whole territory under which you, your feet tread. And so he gets Sarah, his wife, and all their servants, and, and some of his family, and they, they head out and become nomads. And he starts trying to listen to this God that has revealed himself to him. And, and he doesn't know anything about him. And it's just, all right, I'm going to walk on faith. 
We're just going to travel, right? And, and, and so the Bible says that if we, we share the faith of Abraham, well, Abraham was not a Christian. He didn't know anything about Christ. All of that hadn't taken place yet. But it's the way, by sharing his faith, it means it's the way he had faith, the manner in which he had faith. And that's what we're going to take a look at. When we can start believing the way that Abraham believed, that we can partake in the covenant that God promised Abraham and blessed him with, and we are grafted into, we can start receiving the benefits from that. If you start learning to walk by faith the way Abraham did. So let's read this. Genesis chapter 7. No, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. We're going to read 1 and 2. The whole chapter deals with the covenant. But it says, when Abram was 99 years old. Woo, it was old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am the almighty God. What he said was, I am El Shaddai. That word, that name for God is phenomenal. Uh, to condense it down, it means a lot of things, but to condense it down, it actually means the God that's more than enough. The God, he said, Abraham, I'm your God and I'm more than enough. I'm not just going to give you enough. I'm going to give you more than enough. He says, walk and live habitually before me and be perfect, blameless, wholehearted, complete. And I will make my covenant solemn, my, I will make my co covenant a solemn pledge between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Now he goes on in that chapter, verse 17, starts talking about, Abraham, I will always be your God. I will take care of you. I will take care of every generation after you. You're going to be the father of many nations. Your people will come from many nations. Now, keep in mind, there's a problem here. For Abraham to have to believe this, he's got to get over what his eyes see and what his brain knows. He's 99 years old. He's not a dad yet. His wife, Sarah, is 90 years old. They've never been able to have kids. All this time, they've never been able to have kids. And yet, here he is. God's telling him, hey, you're going you're gonna to father a bunch of nations. You're going to sire your own child, Abraham. Now, he could have easily said, uh, I'm 99 years old, God. I believed you up until now, but this is kind of hard to believe because not only am I 99, but things don't work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's not trying to, I'm not trying to be rude or crass about this. We're going to find in the word of God. It literally says Abraham's body wasn't working at 99. Man, it was almost a hundred years old. It's not so much that he can't have kids anymore, but he can't even try to have kids. If you know what I'm saying. There, there was there was no blue pills back then. Men's Edge Medical Clinics weren't around, okay? So, so Abraham's got a lot he's got to overcome to simply just believe God. But listen, listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 4. Therefore, inheriting the promise, now what promise is he talking about? Paul's talking about this covenant promise that God made to Abraham that, hey, you're going to have, you're going to father many nations. I'm going to bless you. You're going to, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. I, I will bless who you bless. I'll curse who you curse. All that stuff. And, and, and I'm going to expand you. I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to make you prosperous in the land. And the Bible says that we being believers are now grafted into the vine of Abraham, that lineage of Abraham, right? 
because because he is our father because we believe like he does or we have the potential to believe like he does. So this awesome promise, it says, therefore inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. On the whole ability to see the unseen, to believe what you don't see, to have faith in God's word and God's word alone. If you can do that, you can step into the promise of Abraham. It says, in order that it might be given as an act of grace or an unmerited favor to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. Now, what, what he's talking about here, he said, look, God made inheriting that promise all about faith. You just simply have to believe that God's going to take care of you. You just have to believe that God's got your back. And it's it's he made it an act of grace on his part so that it could be guaranteed to all generations because sooner or later, we're going to blow it. If it was about our performance, we're never going to be performing good enough to be good enough for God. The Bible says our righteousness or our best deeds look like filthy rags compared to the goodness and the righteousness of God. So, God loved us so much, he goes, look, if you'll just simply believe me, you can inherit this promise, right? And and he says that Abraham is our father because his faith is like our faith. In other words, sometimes you just got to believe what you don't see, okay? Let's, let's pick back up. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, he was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead. Now remember this. He believed that God gave life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things, the things that ain't there. He speaks of them as, as they are, as if they already existed. Woo! So God exercises faith. He calls the things that aren't as though they were. Is that not what we said that faith is? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that aren't seen. Sometimes you have to call it what the Word of God calls it, not what your circumstances calls it. Sometimes you have to just speak what's not there, but is in here. And in here, in the Word of God, right? So he believed that God raises the dead, brings the dead back to life and calls the things that aren't as though they were. Verse 18, for Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. Right there, verse 18, that's it. That's the key. That's the foundation. You, you, you want to get down to the very core of faith. It's that right there. When Abraham had nothing that he could look at to find hope in, he still hoped in the word of God, what God had told him. Man, church, let me tell you, you're going to see things in this life that are going to be so contrary to what the word of God says to you, to what I preach to you, to what others in the church preach to you to what you've heard, to what God's trying to tell you. And yet your life may not be lining up. Doctors may say the total opposite. Friends may be telling you the total opposite. Your job situation or lack of job situation 
may may be saying something completely different than what the word of God is trying to tell you. But Abraham, when he looked in the mirror and said, man, I'm 99 years old. Things ain't worked in a long time. There ain't been nothing going on between me and Sarah in a long time. You know, God, I'm still going to choose. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. You said that I would sire my own child and that it would come through Sarah and that I would be the father of many nations. I have no clue how you're going to do it, but I believe you. You're going to do it. Matter of fact, let's look at Romans 4, 19, the very next verse. Some of y'all just think I was being crass about Abraham. Things not working on his body, right? No, look what Paul says. He says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body. Hello? So when Abraham knew, God, if this happens, it's going to be a miracle because the factory's been shut down. He could have easily said, yeah, I'm out. I can't believe that. But what did he say? It said, no, he didn't weaken in his faith. He just said, Lord, you're saying that I'm going to sire my own kid? Woo! That means game on. Amen. Come on, Sarah. He looked at Sarah. He said, Sarah, faith without works is dead. I got the faith now. You got the works, baby. Let's go. Go time, right? So he goes on and says, he did not weaken in faith, but he considered the utter impotence of his own body which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. He didn't just have to get over his own physical hurdles, but Sarah was already, she, she wasn't able to have kids. She was barren even back during the childbirth years. Now that she's 90 years old, man, if her womb was dead back then, it is really dead now. Yet he believed, he said, it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter how old me and Sarah are. God, if you said we're going to have kids, we're going to have us a kid. And sure enough, he did. If you keep reading in the book of Genesis, they had Isaac. And he also sired a child with Hagar, uh, Sarah's Sarah's concubine, Sarah's handmaiden. And and Ishmael was his name. Ishmael is actually the father of all the Jew, the, or the father of all the Arab nations. Isaac, uh, the Jewish nation, came out of his bloodline. And and many of us here in the Western world are all descendants uh, coming out of the Jews and the Arabs and the whole Mediterranean area. So so God honored his word to Abraham and God worked a miracle in his body. But it came because Abraham, when he had nothing else to believe in, there wasn't a shred of evidence he could find in his life that God's word would come true. Yet he still believed God's word was true. And God moved on his behalf. That is the core of faith right there. That's called living by faith. If it's in the word of God, that's what you live by. That's your barometer. Nothing else. I don't care what happens in your world. I don't care what happens in my world. God said, if you trust me, just trust me. I'll move on your behalf. This book has 7,000 promises in it. 7,000, upwards of 7,000 promises. Surely one or two of them are going to meet your need, right? One or two of them have got to be good for you. Get into his word. 
Say, all right, well, how can I have faith like that? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you're not digging into the word, if you're not researching, there's no need in the world for any Christian to be dumb when it comes to the word of God, especially now in the information age. Right here on my phone, right? On my phone, I've got an exhaustive Strong's Concordance. Over on my bookshelf over here, it's my original Strong's Concordance. It's sitting there, big old thick concordance. I got it on my phone. I have access on my phone to a myriad of, of translations of the Word of God. If you don't understand something, you don't even have to call me up. Preacher, explain this scripture to me. Google it. Holy cow, do you not realize Google is the most powerful Bible study tool of my life, it revolutionized the way I could understand the word of God. We are blessed to live in the information age. If you want to have faith, get into the word of God. It's right all around you. It's coming through the airwaves. Turn on TV. You can see a million different preachers. Turn on the radio. You can hear all kinds of praise and worship. We have more access to the word of God than ever. Let's here in Gathering Church, let's Move from being believers in God to believing God. Let your faith rise by getting into the word of God. Woo! Come on now, man. I'll spike the bowl. Praise God. Hallelujah. That deserves a spike. <laughs> so be like Abraham. When you can't find anything to hope for in your life, just turn to the word of God and hope in it and believe it. Because I promise you, this is a book of truth. You can trust God. He ain't going to lie to you. He's not going to let you down. He will always come through. Not Maybe not in a way you suspect. He may blow your mind. He may not do it the way that you would game plan for him. Because half the time, he don't ask my opinion. But when he moves on my behalf, it'll happen. Let me tell you something. Last July, my world came falling apart. It blew up. I didn't know what I was going to do. He woke me up in the middle of the night and he asked me, David, do you trust me? I said, I think so, Lord. And he said, then I need you to, I need you to walk away in your life and let go of everything you have and I will provide for you. I was scared to death. I said, you're telling me to leave with nothing. He said, no, you, you're leaving with me. You're leaving with everything. The day that I moved into the, the Dave cave, I only had a few items of furniture. I said, but Lord, I trust you. He provided a way for me to get this townhouse. I moved in on a Thursday. By the end of that Sunday, I had a fully furnished townhouse. He came through. He provided for me. He used many of you to provide for me. Is it because, is it because I'm something special? No, not at all. But it's because I was dumb enough and crazy enough and wild enough to just simply believe him and take him at his word. Trust me, I had very good friends and even powerful friends who sat there and said, Dave, what are you doing, man? You're losing your mind. What are you doing? I think you need to rethink some of this stuff. Look, there were several of you that said that. And I don't blame you. Because if I was in your shoes, I'd be telling you the same thing. And yet all I kept saying was, all I know is what God told me. He said he'd take care of me. And man, he takes care of me every single day. He sustains me. Why? Because I had nothing else I could hope for except for in him. All I knew is I could trust him. And I clung to that. I clung to his word. I clung to his promise. And man, he provided for me. So, do you realize faith is it? 
just getting to that place where you ain't got nothing else to hope for, but you're going to hope in the word of God that it's, it's the word of God or nothing. If you can get it to that, that's the only fight that you have to fight in life. Man, I hear Christians all the time. Oh, pray for me. I've been fighting the devil. I've been battling the enemy. No, stop it. No. What you fighting the devil for? He's a defeated foe. He has no authority. Jesus, when he died and they put him in, put him in the tomb, he spent three days down in hell and he came back with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Matter of fact, the first thing he told the disciples is all power on heaven and earth has been given to me. First thing he said after his resurrection to his disciples. He said, all power has been given to me. It all belongs to me. No one else has got power but me. So, so if you're fighting the enemy, why are you fighting a powerless enemy? He's already a defeated foe. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee. You don't have to fight him. Just resist him. You know, ignore him. Put him back in his place. Speak the word of God to him and he'll flee. He'll leave you after a season, the Bible says. Don't worry about him. You don't have to fight him. The only fight that you have has to do with faith. First Timothy chapter six, verse 12. This is the only fight you're going to find in the New Testament. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned and for which you confessed the good confession of faith before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. That's the only fight you have. It's the faith fight. What does that mean? When you wake up in the morning, the only person you have to fight is you. I thought we're fighting the devil. No, he's a defeated foe. You resist the devil. You don't fight him. You resist him. You've got the armor of God to protect you. We'll get into that in a few weeks too. But the only thing you've got to fight is you. Why? Because my spirit wants to believe the word of God. My flesh, my ego wants to live by what I see. And my flesh and ego, it's not evil. It's just carnal. It's just of the earth. It can't comprehend spirit. All it can comprehend is terrestrial things. And it wants to protect you. It wants to say, Dave, man, look, you're going to wind up in that new townhouse and all you're going to have is a bean bag and an old TV you find in a dumpster. Don't do this. And yet my spirit wants to say, Dave, trust God because he's never failed you. Every day of your life, he has sustained you and his word is true. You can depend on it. That's the fight I had to fight. It's the fight of fate. That's the only fight you have today. When you wake up in the morning, you have to choose. Am I going to believe what I see or am I going to believe the word of God? And some days it's a battle. Some days you're back and forth. You may start out winning. By lunch, you may start out thinking about your flesh. And then by dinner, maybe you've decided to believe in the word of God. It is a fight. But fight the good fight of faith. That's the only fight you have. Man, let's fight. Fight. Paul says, I crucify my flesh daily. There was a reason why he woke up every day. Now, did it mean that he crawled up on a cross and he crucified himself? No. What he's saying is, I had to put my flesh, my egoic nature, into subjection to the word of God. I had to, I had to make an effort to just simply believe God and to expect for great things to happen in my life because God has great plans for us. Then you can get to a point, wrapping up here, Proverbs chapter three, verse six. No, I'm sorry, chapter three, verse five and six. Look at this. Lean on, trust in, 
and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and with all your mind. Let's stop there for a second. What does that mean? Have faith in your heart and let it get into your mind, your thoughts, that creative part of you. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Woo! In other words, walk by faith and not by sight. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. It's that simple, people. It really is. You want to live free? You want to live with minimal amount of stress? It doesn't mean you ain't going to have problems in life. It doesn't mean you're not going to have obstacles in life. Jesus said, in this world, there's going to be trouble. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. In other words, hey, there's going to be trouble, but you can overcome. You can rise up above those troubles. And those troubles don't have to dictate your life. He'll teach you how to deal with them. He'll teach you how to navigate them. He'll bring solutions into your life. Sometimes you'll suffer loss. Excuse me. Sometimes you'll suffer pain. And that's all part of the human experience. But that loss and pain doesn't have to dictate your life. Faith and the word of God is what dictates your life. The word of God will teach you how to deal with that pain. It will soothe that pain. It will encourage you during that loss. Amen? So, trust in him. Everything you got. That's what it's about. It's that simple. God is moving us from believing in him to believing him. And it starts by just simply trusting him, even when nothing else lines up. Like Abraham, when you ain't got nothing else to hope in, you're still just going to hope in the word of God. That's powerful. That will preach. That rocks. Man, I can't wait to see you guys next week. God's got an incredible word to deliver. We're going to have a great time of worship. I am believing that the Holy Spirit is going to wait on us and that he will move in your life. I'm believing because we are becoming a family of faith, of just purely believing him, that we're about to begin to see the miraculous right in our midst. We're going to see lives put back together. We're going to see families reunited. We're going to see healings and miracles right in our midst because that's what happens when you stay in faith. Victory is guaranteed. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Don't worry about those troubles. The Bible goes on to say that anything that's born of God overcomes the world. Well, guess what? Your faith is born of God. He's the one that gave you the faith to believe in him. It's born of God. And it says, what what overcomes the world? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Your faith helps you to overcome the world and all of the trouble in it. I love each and every one of you. You guys be blessed. If you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, please do so. It's the biggest decision, best decision you'll ever make. Just invite him in and say, Lord, I want to live for you today. Wash me clean of my sins. Man, I've made a mess of some things, but thank you for your goodness. I believe that you died for me, that you were buried, and that you rose again so that I can die out to my old self and I can be created to be something new. I can be a new creature. I can be a new critter today. The rest of you, let's be blessed. I'm going to pray over you and then we'll we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you so much for, for my church family and for anyone else who may be watching today. 
Father, you're so good. You just love on us. You just bless us. And so I decree today, I decree today that we are people of faith and we are, we are believers and not doubters. I decree that we have mountain moving faith. I decree that with God, all things are possible for us because we love you. And I decree that we are loved and cared for and redeemed by Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Be blessed. Enjoy this last song. I'll see y'all next week at 930.